Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and by... Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We are coming to you on a Saturday morning after a Blackhawks game that they didn't win, but they did look all right. Things are uh, slightly looking up for the team that 
has been losing way too much for our taste. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, as always, is the pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, undoubtedly enjoying his time at home while I'm stuck at NBC Tower. It is Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, been a little while since you and I got together around the campfire, so to speak, to talk some Blackhawks and... There's actually been some movement in the right direction, and this team's actually been a little bit more fun to watch lately. How have you been enjoying this different uh, tenor to Blackhawks hockey of late? Well, it's certainly been better. I mean, uh, you get the win in Pittsburgh. Obviously, that was that was very big. That was good for the Blackhawks to do to finally win after eight straight losses. They didn't actually. They got kind of dominated in that game overall. But the final results what's matter. What matters. Um, last night's game. I said in the post game in the last post game I did, which I think was also against Winnipeg, just it's got to be baby steps from here, right? It's got to be uh, get out of the first period tied or ahead. There's your first goal, right? And they've been doing that. They've been having better starts, and really, when they were having the the big losing streak, that was the problem. The starts were so bad. It took the Hawks, you know, 15 minutes to get the engine started at all. And by then, they're down two goals, three goals, and then they got to spend the whole game coming back. That leaves you zero margin for error, which means everyone's playing in a a different way. They're playing more carefully. They're not taking chances they should take because they know if another goal goes in, the game is pretty much over. The ability that the, the fact that they've been able to keep the games close early on for the last two, that's made the entire difference. That game against Winnipeg last night. Could have gone either way. I think the Hawks actually outplayed the Jets a little bit. When you look at the big picture of the 60 minutes, uh, the power play has got to be better. It's got to do more. It's been that way for 10 years, you know, broken record. But signs of life are there. You're starting to see, um, when I say buy-in, I don't want to tie it to Cowleton necessarily, but you're seeing guys visibly playing harder, winning board battles, getting to the front of the net, skating harder like it's tangible you can see it and that to me is a sign of okay look I don't know if it's a realization that it is what it is and they've got to deal with the new system whether they like it or not or if it's a boost of confidence from having a win whatever it is it's looked better the last handful of games and uh if they played like they played last night they're gonna win uh you know they're not gonna win a ton of games but they're gonna be in most games yeah, I, I definitely can uh, see where you're coming from with that. I, as you were kind of mentioning some of those things like winning board battles and not turning the puck over carelessly and those kinds of things, I was kind of thinking in my head of the different instances that we've seen in the last few games of those things happening. And frankly, it's really enjoyable that the Blackhawks have been able to kind of turn the corner a little bit on that. They're getting a lot of contributions from a lot of different places. Andreas Martinson had a goal and an assist the other night. Mark Marcus Kruger looked really good against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, Jonathan Taves has had two really good games in a row. I mean, there are guys all over the ice who have been making big contributions. And I think that, to me, is probably the most heartening sign of all over the last few games has been the fact that, as you said, so many guys seem to be kind of buying in, probably playing for each other, kind of realizing that the only way to kind of rinse the funk out of their mouth, so to speak, from that losing streak was just to come out of the gate playing harder every single night. And they definitely have been doing that their last few games. And I've been really impressed with the effort level, the compete level that they've been showing all across the board. I noticed that Patrick Kane, obviously, on Wednesday night had, excuse me, the play against the 
Penguins where he went diving in for a puck to try to chip it into the empty net late in the game. That's not a play I think that the Blackhawks as a team make earlier in Jeremy Colladin's run. It seemed like they were very sullen, very down during that time. It seems like the mood is kind of picking up a bit recently, and I think that a big part of that has been the fact that they've been more competitive in games. They've been more uh, like engaged. They've been able to kind of keep things close, and I think that they're getting contributions from all over the place, and while obviously there's still a long way to go with special teams mistakes and with the defensive alignment of this team and all that stuff there are at least signs that are pointing in the right direction that they're finally kind of finding a groove a little bit and obviously I'm not like mistaking this for a glorious run to the postseason but at the very least you know making games more competitive and more entertaining and frankly as a fan I've enjoyed the last three games even though the results you know obviously have still been kind of mixed I've been enjoying things quite a bit. Well, a couple of things you mentioned there, and I want to talk about the starts first off, because for a long time, this team was good enough and talented enough to just be able to sort of coast through the regular season. They had enough talent where if they came out at about 85% effort, they'd win most games against most teams. We talked about it all the time heading into the playoffs. How many times did we say flip the switch, flip the switch, flip the switch, right, for the Hawks to find that next level of intensity that we all knew they had, that they all know they would they would turn on in big games and in the playoffs. They had that ability. So I think it was hard for some of these guys to get out of that mindset. After doing it for so long, it almost becomes a routine that the regular season games are just kind of like, okay, you know, like we're going to go, we're going to do our thing, and, and we'll probably win because we're super talented. That's not the case anymore. And now they're learning that it's going to take them a full 60-minute effort to get a point or two most nights. So that's that's a change. That's a mental change for the core of the team. And when we were talking about how the core had been the ones letting them down early in the season, I, I look right there, right? That makes perfect sense to me. The other thing about everyone contributing and the Hawks looking better, when we talked before the season began about the keys to the season, we said Taves and Kane have to be stars again. DeBrinkett has to be an influential player, right? He's got to be a a, a star-quality player. Uh, Brandon Sod has to bounce back. You've got to have growth from some rookies, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, over the last handful of games, you're seeing it. Taves and Kane are on fire. Sod has looked good, uh, you know, really since last month. He's really started to pick things up. You've got yeah. growth from, uh, uh, I mean, DeBrinkett's been playing better lately. He had that huge, horrible slump. Now he's sort of c- catching fire again. Uh, and you've got some young guys who are stepping up. Carl Dahlstrom has been really good in his two games. Dylan Securis here. You mentioned Martinson. John Hayden, I think, has had his best stretch as a Blackhawk here over the last little bit. So now when all these things are happening simultaneously – Voila, the Hawks are kind of competitive, right? And that's what we said. If they're going to be a playoff team, all these things need to happen all the time. And when they and when one or two of those things stopped happening, they were getting pasted. That's the difference. Yep. All these things have to be going right at the same time for them to compete. I certainly uh, – uh, John Hayden's a really interesting player, by the way. I would like to talk about him a little bit later in the show. I came across kind of a – a statistic that took me by surprise, and we're going to go ahead and talk about that uh, in the second segment of the show today. But to continue focusing on 
the growth of these players. I think the interesting thing to me about a guy like Alex DeBrincat, who, as we talked about in the offseason, had the potential to be like a 30 to 35 goal scorer, maybe maxed out even a little bit higher than that if the chips kind of fell the right way. I think the interesting thing with him this season has been watching his growth in other areas of the game, too, besides scoring. I feel like he is still like a really aggressive back checker at times. I know I know that he's gotten some penalty killing time this season. I mean, he's just kind of bounced all over the place. And it's been really interesting watching his development from being a guy that we figured would probably just be like a top six guy simply based on his size and speed and kind of his profile coming out of the junior ranks. But he's been kind of more than that for the Blackhawks. And I've definitely found his usage interesting. And obviously, as soon as they put him with Dylan Strom, I feel like he you know, kind of really started finding his groove again. Now, if only they could get Connor McDavid that, to reunite the <laughs> nice. Erie Otters <laughs> contingent. Man, that'd be super. I wonder what it would take to pry him away from the Edmonton Oilers. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I think that it's been fascinating watching the usage of these guys by Jeremy Colladin and his deployment of the team in like key moments of the game. And obviously we saw that again last night where he had guys like Dylan Strom out with the game on the line in the closing seconds of the contest, and they ended up tying it. I feel like I'd love – there are a lot of things that I could be critical of Jeremy Colladin of. The thing that I love is that he's not afraid right now to experiment and to use guys in different roles because that's exactly what you need to be doing when you're having a season like this, when you're having a stretch where you just are not – playing like a playoff team and odds are the Blackhawks won't be, but that willingness to experiment and that willingness to kind of see where guys fit in different scenarios, I think has been one of the things I've noticed most about Jeremy Colladin, and I got to give him credit for being willing to do that during this kind of stretch. Yeah, I love that point by you because regardless of how you feel about Joe Quenville's firing, you know that as long as he's the head coach and there's points available, he's going to have his core out there to try to get those points. And this season, it's a lost season. They're not going to make the playoffs. Any hope they had of making the playoffs went out the window when they hit that that horrible streak of games they just got out of. Um, hopefully they didn't start a new one last night. Playoffs are out the window. This year is about development. It's about finding out what you have in players. And I love the fact, I, I noted that, like there's, you said, there's Strom out on the ice with the game on the line. Carl Dahlstrom was out there late, uh, you know, down a goal. Uh, I like that he's giving these kids chances because now is the time to find out. Now is the time to see, like, okay, when, when you know when the chips are stacked against these guys and we need something to happen, can they do it? Can they make it happen? Last night they came through. Uh, we're going to get to Dylan Strom later too. I want to focus on him a little bit. I wrote about him for 670 the score. I really liked what I've seen from him uh, since he's joined the team. We'll spend more time on him later. But you're right. That's one thing I, I, that you know that as long as Joel Quenville was here, that was never going to happen. And uh, maybe they don't get in that eight-game losing streak without Joel Quenville. Actually, probably they don't, right? However, yeah, it's about the future. It's about the future now. The Hawks need to find out what they've got, what these kids are all about. And to me, give them all the chances to succeed or fail now so when they're competitive again in two or three years, whatever, we know what we have. You know which guys you can count on. You know who your core is moving forward from there. 
I think you and I need to uh, start doing some NHL draft prep. Speaking of the Blackhawks not making the playoffs, like kind of as we're hitting like this December swing, I'm kind of itching to get out to like a Chicago Steel game and go potentially see guys who could be picked in the 2019 NHL draft. I think that that's obviously going to be something that's going to be really interesting going down the road. And every time we mention that the Blackhawks aren't going to make the postseason, I keep dreaming of the day when the Blackhawks could potentially win the draft lottery and piss off the rest of the NHL. And I feel like it'd be a really <laughs> funny moment and it'd be, you know, kind of great for our podcast, honestly, because then we'd get to like sneer and rub it in everybody's faces in. Ooh, that gave me all the warm tingling feelings. <laughs> that would be great. By the way, uh, let's take a break, but you mentioned Chicago Steel. We should definitely go out to a game. Always a great time. But February 24th, it is set. It is locked in. Our event with the Chicago Wolves. Tickets are $20 plus fees. That includes, listen to this, game ticket, free parking, a hot dog, a soda, Madhouse Podcast t-shirt, Wolves gear, and a pregame meet and greet with a member of the Chicago Wolves brass. We did this last year. We've got a block of 50 tickets. We haven't promoted it on the podcast yet, and 10 tickets are already sold. So if you want to do this. with you people? Why do you want to hang out with us so bad? I know. It's weird. You guys got to go to madhousepod.com slash events. The image for the event is there. Click on that image. You can buy your tickets there. It's going to be a great time, February 24th. And again, our friends at Triple Threat Sports providing the t-shirts for you guys. They did it last year. They came up with a special Chicago Wolves-themed Madhouse podcast t-shirt. They're going to do the same thing this year. Uh, it's going to be a really great time. Again, 20 bucks is a game ticket, free parking, pop soda, Madhouse podcast t-shirt, Wolves gear, pregame meet and greet. A hot dog of soda and parking is over $25 typically. So you're in. For 20 bucks. you get all that madhousepod.com slash events join us and we do want to thank triple threat sports for helping us out at the event chris hubble out there in mokina running things uh if you've got a team that needs outfitting you need a you got a podcast that needs t-shirts that's the place to go triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it 708-478-6090 give chris a call or send him an email chris at triple threat when we come back we talk about dylan strome his addition to the Blackhawks, and a whole lot more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. improves children's health by developing better treatments and technologies. As one of the top children's hospitals in the nation, we take on the most complex, rare, and life-threatening conditions because all children deserve a healthy future. And with our new pediatric focus research and innovation campus opening this spring, we'll be able to generate and share even more discoveries. Learn more at childrensnational.org innovation. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which is brought to you by our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, family-owned and operated since 1933. 
we love Joe and everybody out there at Marishka's. Went there last month to pick up all the stuff for our uh, charity fundraiser. By the way, $4,000 transferred to Andy Garcia and his family. They are so thankful to you, our listeners, for your donations. But head out there. Try the poor boy. Try the onion rings. Try the twice-baked potatoes. Everything there is outstanding at Marishka's. Again, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go say hello to Joe and all our friends at Marishka's. So, James, yesterday for 670thescore.com, I wrote a piece sort of in praise of Dylan Strome. Uh, I really like what he's brought to the team since the Blackhawks have picked him up. Now, he's not setting the world on fire. He's not uh, a point-per-game kind of a player. But when you watch him play... You see what Stan Bowman was hoping to get when he made this trade for Dylan Strome. And remember, Perlini was part of this trade, too. He's sort of coming along a little bit as well. He started off horribly. He's coming along as well. But I want to focus on Strome here specifically. Strong on the puck. One thing I liked, the last game against the Jets, on two occasions, Dylan Strome got in the face of Dustin Bufflin for uh, you know putting a hit on a teammate he didn't like. Those things... They shouldn't really matter. When you're a great championship team, they don't really matter. But when you're a team that's struggling, those little moments matter. So really, there's been some odd decisions he's made, right? Like a drop pass at the wrong time or, uh, you know, just kind of a, a bad puck decision or, or opting to pass instead of shoot. But these are all things that you can sort of grow out of. When I look at Dylan Strom, I see all the tools to be a really solid second-line center. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. I don't know if he'll ever be an all-star, but I think if you look at second-line centers in the game, when he maxes out, he'll be among the best of those second-line guys, and I think that's uh, if he maxes out, not when. If he maxes out, I think he'll be one of those one of the better second-line centers in the game. And it's funny, those things are so hard to find. It just seems like every team, yeah. like, man, we really need a second-line center. <laughs> yeah, I know, really. Like, Anisimov did it for, like, one year. I was like, okay, Artem and Yusimov, that guy. But it was because Panarin and Kane were on his wings. That that helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could you could easily, you know, the uh, Cleveland Browns jerseys with all of the quarterbacks' <laughs> names that they've drafted, like in the first round and yes. all that. I feel like you could make one of those jerseys for Blackhawks second line centers over the years. Like Sammy you could. Paulson. Michael Hanzus, Dave Boland, Artem Anisimov, Marcus Kruger saw some time at second line center. Didn't they have Michael Frolik play center briefly? Yeah, they like, tried everything, man. Like, like, yeah. Patrick Kane, they literally tried at second line center. I mean, this team has tried everything to get like a solid contributor in that spot. But and I'm on a more kind of serious note about your points about Dylan Strom is I think that those little things are what he does really well. And it's definitely stood out like, yeah, he's not lighting the score sheet on fire like Nick Schmaltz has been doing out in Arizona, which, by the way, teaser, we'll talk about that later, too. But I, I think that Dylan Strom, I like what he does standing up for teammates. He's been winning a lot of puck battles, like even against multiple opponents. He's one of the few guys on the Blackhawks that I've seen consistently this season that's able to go in and win those puck battles and act and create scoring chances had a great example of that on Wednesday night against the Penguins. He went in, beat two guys to the puck, drifted it back out in front, and uh, Marcus Kruger ended up scoring a goal on the play. So 
Dylan Strome may not be lighting the world on fire, may not have like the stats that kind of dazzle you and you would expect from a third overall pick in the draft. But I absolutely think that he's got a lot of those intangibles. And I think if he puts those together with the hands and the skill set that we've seen him flash at times this season, I think that your ceiling of him being a really solid, strong second line center. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly where the Blackhawks are obviously hoping he develops into. And that's why they traded Nick Schmaltz to get him. Well, in 10 games, he's got four goals, one assist. I I was surprised he only has one assist, by the way, it feels like more, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Four goals, one assist. Um, But there's, he also has had like a lot of, uh, like, oh man, how did that get saved? Or, uh, you know, chances that were really close to going in um, or shot just wide or whatever. Uh, of course, every player in the game has that, so I'm not, you know, praising him for his missed chances. But I think <laughs> the, the big concern with him was the skating ability. That's kind of what everyone said, like, eh, he's not the strongest skater, which is true, but I think it's probably a little bit overblown. I think when you look at a third overall pick who put up those epic numbers he put in a junior, you assume he's going to be a real finesse, real skill, real speed kind of a player. And the fact that a player picked that high is not the strongest skater is a little bit different. But I think he's far enough, far and away good enough to keep up with the line he's on. I've never seen him like, wow, look at him struggling to keep up with the play. I've never seen that from him. Um, I like that he's big. I like that he's, uh, he's not quite super strong yet, but he's got the ability. He's going to add some weight as he ages, as he gets older. Um, I just really like what I've seen from him. He's got a lot of patience with the puck. And while Nick Schmaltz had patience with the puck, it was almost too much. Like, Jesus, dude, like, shoot it or do something with it. Nick Schmaltz would skate himself out of a play time and time again. And when Schmaltz was here, you and I talked about Schmaltz's hockey intelligence, right? Like, okay, he's got all this ability, but does he know what to do with it? And that was sort of my question with him. And with Strom, I do see maybe he doesn't have the skill set that Schmaltz has, but I think he's got a better hockey mind than Schmaltz has, if that makes sense. Should we, we should pray that they can somehow amalgamate Nick Schmaltz and Dylan Strom together. I almost called him Dylan Sakura. Dylan <laughs> Strom together, and they could make the ultimate hockey player. That, well, that would be. I mean, really, think about that. that, like that if you put Strom and Schmaltz together, maybe you have, like, uh, I want to say Connor McDavid, but, <laughs> you know, you've got the intelligence, <laughs> the speed, the size. That's, that's the whole package. That's a really great player. Um, by the probably, way, we got to get like a Jamie Ben. What's that? Jamie Ben. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's about the most accurate uh, comparison I can make there. Well, we got to give um, uh, Nick Schmaltz some praise, though. I mean, I'm not we're not here to just crap over Nick Schmaltz uh, in his nine games with Arizona. Nine points. Um, I was watching on uh, Center Ice the other day. By the way, I signed up for the package. I'll give you the login. I just I Thanks, bit the bullet. Man. I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, <laughs> so um <laughs> Anyway, uh, I was watching the Coyotes and Sabres because I'm a nerd. And uh, before the game, Rick Tockett was commenting on the effort of Schmaltz's line the night before defensively. And he was saying, like, look, these guys have all the skills offensively, but the commitment in the other two zones was was not good enough. Uh, Just flat out came out and said it. So uh, some of the same issues with Schmaltz that were here are happening in Arizona too. Um, but look, he's he's off to a tear. He's a point-per-game player there, and I'm sure they are as happy with that trade, if not happier, uh, than the Blackhawks are with with the trade. So uh, it's worked out well for both teams, and that's, that's kind of the idea. That's kind of uh, how you want trades to work, I guess, right? Sure, absolutely. Like, I don't, 
I don't wish guys ill when they leave town. I'm sure the Blackhawks don't wish guys ill when they trade them away. They're not like secretly hoping that Nick Schmaltz like craps the bed and can't play. Like they're obviously they're hopeful that the guys they trade away do well, because then when you want to trade somebody else, you're not going to be, they're not going to be like, well, you're only trading me this guy because he sucks. Like they're not trying. They're hoping that guys work out to, you know, increase the trade value, however marginally of other players that are on the roster. But since we've been talking about Dylan Strom so much, I feel like we need to talk about the other Dylan on the team. And I'm not talking about Dylan Olson, the former first round pick that's probably playing Why hockey would in, you? in Romania <laughs> or something right now. Let's talk about Dylan Sakura, who has played in his first two games of this season and hasn't obviously made a big impact on the score sheet or anything, but I kind of was looking for your take, Jay, on what we've seen from Dylan Sakura in his first two games since being called up from Rockford. I haven't, uh, he hasn't been very noticeable, and <laughs> I don't mean that necessarily as a criticism. Uh, I think he's kind of finding his way. He's playing on the bottom six, which kind of explains it a little bit. Um, yep. I just, the fact that he hasn't stood out as a complete defensive disaster is good, because I think he was kind of that last year um, where he was clearly lacking in the other end of the ice. Um, I'm glad he's here. I want him to play. Like we talked about earlier, this year is all about development. So these guys who you do think are a big part of your future, get them up here, get them playing now. That's why I'm thrilled that Dahlstrom's here, thrilled that Sakira's here. All these guys that they have ticketed as potential future Blackhawks should be here playing if they feel like they're ready. And while... You know, I'd rather have secure a struggle here and learn than, you know, down dominate in Rockford for what? Right. Like, I, I think he's probably done all he can do in the AHL aside from just like gathering minutes and gathering experience. He can do that here and be playing with better players. And he's the kind of guy who I feel like um, could be more effective in the NHL than the AHL. Like Tavo was kind of that way. Right. Like why are Tavo's numbers higher in the AHL? And we like his coach said, like, he's so I'm not saying this about Secura, but remember Tavo was like so skilled that his teammates weren't ready for it. They didn't know the pass was going to get to them because they had never played with someone like that, right? So when he got to the NHL, the points started coming. Andrew Shaw sort of had that experience as well, where he put up better mm -hmm. numbers in the NHL than the AHL. So uh, I feel like Secura could be the kind of guy that thrives playing around more skilled players. I, while you were talking, I was thinking to myself, is Dylan Sakura the best player to ever wear number 95 for the Blackhawks? He is the only player to have ever worn that number for the Blackhawks. So what? Wait, I guess hold on. Logic, he's the best and he's the worst. What number was Sergey Berezin? Was he 94? Uh, Sergey Berezin was indeed number 94, one of two players to wear that number. Can you name the other one? Oh, boy. I'll, I'll give you a hint. He was a face-off specialist. Oh, Yannick Pro. That is correct. Yes. 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 I, I am, uh, I always got a geek out on hockey <laughs> reference when I'm looking at sweater numbers, man. All right. All right here. I, let's go. Give me a, uh, give me, let's do this, like, just off, off the top of our heads. Give me a number and I'll rattle off some Blackhawks that wore it. Like a good number? Or yeah, just like pick a, one. Fine, 82. 82? <laughs> Thomas Kopetsky. Um, and and uh, Jordan Osterley. That is correct. Those are the only two players in Hawks history to wear that number. All right, give How me about, like a more common number. Okay. Fine. Uh, let's go with, yeah, let's go with 38. 38. James Black. 
That is correct. J- uh, Jamie Allison? Yep. He wore it right after James Black. Um, 38. Enrico oh Ciccone was 39. Um, 38. Is it bad that I have those two off the top of my head? No. Well, there are obviously two better. Well, better is a relative term, but there are two higher profile Blackhawks that wore that number. Nolan Bumgarner wore that number in 2001, but way back in the fun days. Give me the other one. Um, Ken Painter wore the number in 1989. More recently, Brian Bickle, it was his first number in the NHL. And then Cristobal Huey wore number 38 for a season. And finally, the most recent and the most decorated to wear it, Ryan Hartman. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's a bad number, by the way. 38 i was watching like last night with uh with um carl dahlstrom like 63 is that the worst number like (laughs) that's terrible it's kind of cool though because you're the first guy to wear it well for a reason that number sucks (laughs) there's like it doesn't it doesn't look good like it's not you know like like 88 or 89 looks cool because it's big like six yeah. and three are like three of the like more passive numbers. <laughs> I don't know. I got, got one more for you, by right. the way, before we, you know, continue boring our listeners with other topics. The only player to wear number 90, go. Was Vermette 90? No, sir. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Antoine Vermette was, God, what number was he? 90 was, okay. Uh, was it Bondra? No, sir. I feel like some guy that was good somewhere else came here and wore it for like one year. I'm I, And that, that is not correct, by the okay. way. Like when I say it, you're going to be like, oh, my God. Like seriously, you know this? All right. Who is it? Scott Foster. Oh. You're... <laughs> <laughs> I just ruined Jay's afternoon is what I did. <laughs> Saturday's ruined. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I need a beer. I'm going to go to Rabbit. You want to come yeah, with me? Yeah, that's a good plan. <laughs> the time has come for me to drink mythological level craft ales, damn it, not you. Uh, hey, we told you about Rabbit Brewing. They are the hosts of our charity event. They are coming with us to the Wolves outing. Tobias and Ray, who run Rabbit, they're going to be there. Go visit them in Homewood. Uh, beers across the board with something for everybody. Multiple styles. They've got juicy IPAs, uh, Russian Imperial Stouts. Everything there is outstanding. The sours are great. Uh, the outstanding welcoming taproom experience. It's full of art that's engaging. It's got chalkboard walls. You can write on them, do whatever you want, draw dicks in the bathroom, whatever your thing is. Um, they have a lot of beers that have converted people that don't really like craft beer into craft beer lovers because they're accessible. They're not just hop bombs. A lot of these craft breweries, it's like, here's as many hops as we can fit into a, into a pint glass. Now, they have that. If that's your thing, they've got other options too. It's hard to not feel like part of the family at Rabbit, so go check them out. Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. We thank them for their sponsorship. When we come back, we need to assign our three stars of the game, hit the email of the show, and a whole lot more. I want to talk about the Blackhawks Winter Classic jersey when we come back as well on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The three stars of the week are brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving all your real estate needs in the Chicagoland area. 708-675-1600. 
That's right, time for the three stars of the game. Thank you to Michael Elwood, our star real estate agent. Go see him, Remax First Service, 708-675-1600. First star, I'm sorry, third star of the week. We're doing it wrong because I'm stupid. Third star of the week. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Carl Dahlstrom playing his first two games with the Blackhawks this year. Maybe you haven't noticed this. Two assists, plus three. In his debut game, he played 22 minutes and 34 seconds. Last night against Winnipeg. Winnipeg? Winnipeg. 14 minutes. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Uh, Last night, uh, 14 minutes, 47 seconds. Uh, Steady. That's the word I think of when I think of Carl Dahlstrom. Uh, Big kid, steady defenseman, uh, and he's picking up some points here too. And like we mentioned, Cowden is using him in some key moments, which I like. Yeah, I've been really enjoying what I've seen from Carl Dahlstrom. He's been arguably the Blackhawks' second or third best defenseman in his first two games. Obviously not saying he's the second or third best guy they've got overall. But like you said, man, he's he's playing really steady. Doesn't look like the game is too fast for him. I've liked the way Jeremy Colladin has kind of broken him into the system. And frankly, watching him, I'm just wondering what the hell took so long to get him up here and get him playing because – I can't see a scenario right now where when Gustav Forsling comes back or Brandon Davidson comes back that I would take him out of the lineup for any sort of prolonged stretch. Well, and now you're looking at as soon as Forsling comes back, you're probably looking at this D at full strength. And I think it's kind of a different thing. Yeah, Keith, you'll get how are you? Seabrook, Gustafson, Forsling, uh, Dahlstrom. Uh, and, and you got Murphy there, too. So someone's going to have to sit out. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting. They, they've got some decisions to make. So. Uh, we'll see. Jan Ruda has already been uh, dispatched to Rockford. Boy, that's sad. Uh, anyway, number two star of the week uh, was seven points in four games. Patrick Kane, who has been uh, more than point per game player all year, consistent. Yes, we've do- we've dogged his effort a couple times this year, but without Patrick Kane, this team really has no shot at anything at all resembling hockey. So Patrick Kane, our number two star of the week, and our number one star with six points in his last two games, the captain. Jonathan Taves with the sassy goal celebration last night, by the way. Did you see that with the little stick spin sword sheathing? I like that. Patrick Sharp called that out in the postgame show, and I got the vapors thinking about it again. (laughs) Like, it's just been an absolute delight to watch Jonathan Taves, like, rebound the way that he has this season and really has made me feel really optimistic that if the Blackhawks are to make a turnaround in the next year or two, that he could actually be – a big part of it. There were a lot of questions about whether or not he was ever going to be able to kind of get back to the level of play that he showed early in his career. And he just, he looks like a completely different player now, man. He looks rejuvenated. He's faster than he's ever been. He's putting the puck in the net. He's playing with an insanely high level of confidence. I've really liked what I've seen out of Jonathan Taves this season. All right. The three stars, they were brought to you by Michael Elwood, our star real estate agent at Remax first service, 708 Six seven five sixteen hundred. And again, if you'd like to visit any of our sponsors, madhousepod.com slash sponsors, click on their image and it will take you directly to their homepage. Uh, you're looking to buy your dream house. Michael Elwood will help you find it like he did for me. All right. couple other little notes we wanted to get to uh, yesterday or earlier this week, walking down uh, Michigan Avenue to go to my therapist to talk about James and how much he ruins my life, um, walked by the Blackhawk store and they have a pop up shop just south of the entrance of the main store that's all winter classic gear and man 
seeing that uniform in person is different than seeing it on pictures. That is a sweet-ass uniform. And I started to come around on it when I saw Nick Offerman wearing it when he was shooting the puck at intermission uh, the other night. I, I love the Winter Classic jersey now. Someone pointed this out to me, though, and now it might bug me. He goes, I love the jersey, but I can't get over the fact that the feather touches the ring. So the feather on, if you're facing the jersey, the feather on the right is actually touching the circle that's circling the jersey. And one of our listeners was like, I can't like the jersey because that little uh, design flaw is, is it's too noticeable for him. So I hope I didn't just ruin it for everybody. <laughs> you literally just ruined the jersey for everybody. And now everybody's going to be beating a path to your Michigan Avenue therapist. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's very um, good, though. Did- we, we did receive a uh, Blackhawks Winter Classic jersey to kind of give fans a behind-the-scenes tour of it, kind of do a little bit of video of it, uh, some photos, which will be up soon as part of our extensive Winter Classic coverage on NBCChicago.com. Big plug there. Nice. And I and I'm definitely I'm digging it, man. Like it does look so much different in person. And for those of you interested in going to the hockey house on Michigan Avenue, a it's where hot quarters used to be. So if you want to kind of have an idea of where it is, that's where it is. And B, they now have bubble hockey. So if you ever want to challenge Jay Zawaski at a game that he insists he can beat, I can beat anyone. the tar of anybody. That's a place you can go do it. I am the Mike Tyson of bubble hockey, but there is no Buster Douglas. <laughs> I, I am great at that game. Um, yeah, so it is on Michigan, just south of Wacker on the east side of the street, right next to the yep. Fannie Mae. Can't miss it. Okay, you wanted to talk about our dear friend John Hayden. The floor is yours, my friend. It's been really weird because I feel I feel like you. I feel like he's been playing a lot better lately. He's been a lot more noticeable in a good way. But I'm curious what his status is on this roster if his offensive production kind of keeps lagging the way it has been did you know that after opening night when he scored a goal he has had a grand total of one goal and one assist in his last 24 games and those both came in the same game and late in as of late in his last seven games he has two shots on goal Two, not two per game, two total. I, uh, it annoys me because I've liked the way he's been playing lately, but he hasn't been producing like at all. What, what side of the spectrum do you come down on with him? Do you like look at the stuff that he's doing on the ice and like the eye test? Or do you look at those stats and go, well, I don't know if he can be out there. Boy, I did not realize that. And and sort of watching his game over the last handful, it's been better. Like, he's playing a more straight-ahead game. I, I'm seeing him beating guys to pucks. Like, uh, he'll be deeper in his zone than the defenders, which is good. But, God, that is staggering. I, I I don't know. Like, I don't know what you do with him. Like, God, it, like, all the tools are there, right? When you, yeah. when you look at the guy, he looks like he should be a good hockey player. <laughs> he's just not. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I results the results should be there but they're they're just not and i know that like we're talking about like development stuff in a lost season but at some point i mean you do have to be better than one goal and one assist in 24 games like that yeah i I care what level you're at like especially with his skill set 
I feel like he needs to be better in offensive production if he's going to continue to get regular rotational minutes. Well, maybe it's maybe now is the time to give Victor Edgel a look. You know, yeah. Now you're now you're speaking my language, Jay Zawaski. Now now you're definitely in my wheelhouse. I like that idea a lot. Are you ready for the email of the show? Nah, I'm never really ready for it, but let's do it anyway. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Great barbecue, great Cajun. Everything at Chuck's is tremendous. Make sure you go there. Make sure you visit them. I'm pulling up the menu here so we can do our little number game, James. I'm stalling a little bit. Plus, the person who has the email of the show, eh, kind of a, you know, one of those guys. I know you're not thrilled about it. You already ruined it and told me who it is, and yeah, I can understand. It's going to be Gingenburger. All right, James, time for our game with the specials. Give me a random number between one and six. Three. Three. Oh, it's today's special. The Crawfish Monica. Ooh. Rotini noodles, Cajun Alfredo sauce, crab, crawfish, topped with blackened shrimp, steamed broccoli, and Parmesan cheese. If I wanted to kill my wife, that would be a tasty way for her to go because she is definitely allergic to shellfish. But that sounds amazing. I miss miss shellfish more than anything in the whole world. Anyway, Chuck's, go there. Chuck'sCafe.com, Burbank Darien. Do it. Okay. Email of the show. I hate to do this. (laughs) <laughs> but it goes to Gingenburger. Oh, uh, yes. Or is he the signed his email? Man. He signed his email, Gingy. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> He's uh, so, so sufferable. I'm going to qualify this, and it is a negative question, but it's something that had the Hawks not beaten the Penguins, we'd be asking on this podcast. So do you think it's time to tear the Hawks down and do a complete rebuild? What can you get in return for guys like Keith, Taves, Crawford, etc.? Do any of these guys have any value? Gingy. Okay. I would like to say that Corey Crawford has a good amount of value with the contract situation that he's in. He's a free agent after next season. I think that he'll he would have plenty of suitors if the Blackhawks made him available. Just know that if you do that, you are truly embracing the tank because it's not like they have anybody waiting in the wings right now. Well, Dewey is they- pretty good. I, I don't know if he's a st- NHL starter, but they have faith that he could be the ne- maybe like the next Scott Darling, like a really solid backup that can hold down the fort for a while while your starter's out. But you're right. If you trade Crawford, you are just waving the white flag right now. That is a massive white flag if they trade Corey Crawford. But I do think that he has a good amount of value considering what's left on his contract and how he's played. I know he's been struggling lately. And by the way, I do want to point that out, that his rebound control the last two or three games has been very eh. I have not liked it. But historically, if he has games like that, he bounces back and figures it out really quickly. So I think that Corey Crawford will be fine. I think that out of the guys that he mentioned, I think Duncan Keith has some 
value. He has, what, like four years left on his deal, I think. He's not expensive. And he's like he's a guy that has like good veteran leadership and I think in the right situation could potentially rejuvenate him just a bit. But I don't like the way he's been losing puck battles this season. He's definitely a step slower than he used to be. So I wouldn't get too crazy with what you can get back for him. You'd probably have to take at least some money back. I don't know if that's really a guy you're going to get like a high-end prospect and a lot of cap relief for. So he's more of kind of like a middle-of-the-road guy. He has five years left at 5.5 – five years counting this one uh, at 5.54. So it's a a manageable cap hit. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taves, I feel like still you wouldn't get the value for him that you would – in terms of what you would lose, I don't know if you'd get enough value coming back for him. So I'm a little bit more hesitant to deal Jonathan Taves. But if you're going to go full on tear down rebuild, you know, there's one guy that has to go, right? Yeah, it's Patrick Kane. But the problem it's is who can afford a $10 million cap hit? See, that's the thing. If you're going to trade Kane or Taves, you've got to take on some bad money coming back. And maybe it's a, a veteran you know, with two years left and you just suck it up for a while. But like but if you take that money on, I guarantee you you're getting a good prospect out of that at least. Oh, sure. Oh, no, I know that. Absolutely. But I just how many teams are equipped to just take on a $10 million salary? Like the teams that would be trading for Patrick Kane are are theoretically contenders, right? And they're pretty tapped out as far as salary cap goes for the most part. So that's you'd have to get creative. You'd have to find a way to make the salary work. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, the, the Winnipeg Jets have about ten million dollars in cap space. They, I would consider them to be a contender, even though you probably don't want to be facing Patrick Kane, you know, five times a season. I highly doubt that the Blackhawks would exactly be eager to go in that direction. Another team to maybe keep an eye on in that regard, if they're looking to add a star player and maybe shed a little bit of money, would probably be the Vegas Golden Knights. Maybe like that's another team. They've got about seven point three million dollars available in current cap space right now. They include some money in that deal. They could probably swing it and make their offense a whole hell of a lot better. So Patrick Kane in Vegas, what could go wrong? <laughs> well, I mean, he's reformed, Jay. Don't you know? Oh, that's right. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks for joining us. By the way, don't forget, February 24th, our event with the Chicago Wolves, 20 bucks gets you a ticket. Parking, Madhouse t-shirt, Wolves gear, hot dog, soda, pregame meet and greet, and you get to hang out with James and I. Uh, all that for $20, madhousepod.com slash events. Want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and our star real estate agent Michael Elwood with Remax First Service, 708-675-1600. Find your dream home with Michael Elwood of Remax First Service. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> 
Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.